Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Welcome to our weekly podcast for practice managers. This is a recording of the webinar run on July the 8th. So we've got a select few of us today. Um, we've got Carol Cusack, Director of Primary Care, who's going to give us the update, and Dawn Chowcraft, who's going to be, who is our assistant of, um, to the Directors of Primary Care, and she'll be assisting as we go along. So, Carol, over to you, please. All right, thank you. Actually, a lot of what I've got to tell you today is not great. It's, we, we're a bit doom and gloom this week, but but we'll we'll try and do it with a smile, and then it might make a difference. And um, the first thing I wanted to talk, and we were just talking, those of you who dialed in a bit earlier would, would have heard us, um, we were talking about how how areas measure um, their prevalence of COVID um, and, and how we're looking to see how the pandemic is moving. And as, as you will have seen on the news, you can't have failed to have seen, Leicester's gone back into lockdown. To put that in context, uh, context let me tell you that in Leicester, mm-hmm. they had 140.2% um, COVID positive cases per 100,000 of population. That's 140.2. In Hull, where I come from, but I say Hull now because I'm posh, um, I don't say it all, um, they had 22.6, a huge big difference. Leeds, where my son lives, 19.8. Now, let's look at our areas. The highest we have is Swindon. Swindon is currently at 10.4, but this is per 100,000 of population. Isle of Wight, 2.8. Bournemouth and Poole, 1.3. Wiltshire, 1.2. Dorset, 1.1. And the winner is Baines at just one. So you can see the difference from 140 per 100,000 down to one. And that's how the measurement is being done at the moment. and not on a percentage increase or anything like that, because as we all know from our childhood hymns and everything else, a percentage can be one person or it can be 50. Mm-hmm. So we do have to be a little bit careful about the measuring. I just threw that in because I'm fascinated by it and I'm a little bit anal and I do apologise if it's not interesting to you. Do tell us and we won't tell you anything like that ever again. Okay, so uh, some of the things we're going to talk about, I think we'll just go straight. I'm not going to list it. We'll go straight into them. Dawn will no doubt jump in if I get something wrong or if I forget to say something or we'll leave it to the end and then she can put me right on everything I've done. So first thing I wanted to talk to you about is, is again, a lot of this stuff's in the media and I'm sure you'll have heard it, but the faulty masks. In total, there were 85 million faulty cardinal masks issued. They were all cardinal masks. They have a, they have a set uh product number on them which you can find on the cardinal website they were issued by williams medical and phoenix medical if you haven't already do please check that out because it's really important they are faulty they are not safe to be used um williams has certainly started right into practices i don't know if everybody's had their letters yet where they supplied them and they're replacing them but again i think it's better to be proactive there are two main faults with them. One isn't that important. The stitching on the side of the, the um, tape is coming loose. But the other one is actually the fitting around the nose. It's not right. It doesn't cover and, it, and it's not protective. So, um, you know, please do have a look at that. Um, the next thing I wanted to mention to you, because a lot of people are asking about this, is 
the emergency legislation that came into place actually um, ended, I'm just getting a load of stuff, um, on the 30th of June. Now, um, we were all, and, and those of you who were on the Nikki Kanani and Ed Waller um, webinar last Thursday night will have heard them say quite clearly that the information about post 30th of June would be coming out. I mean, I think Ed said Friday, Nikki said next week at the latest, and it's next week and we're still Wednesday, so they've still got time because we haven't had it yet. What we understand is that that letter is going to talk about the COVID fund that actually a lot of you have already been paid out of. The CCGs have gone out on a limb here and have started to pay everybody or have been paying everybody. And quite right, it shouldn't be your risk. It shouldn't be out of your pockets. Um, it's going to clarify exactly what can be paid for. So if you've already had something you shouldn't be paid for, keep quiet. Um, I didn't say that, yes I did. Um, it's also going to talk about what the expectations and aspirations are for the rest of the year in terms of COVID itself, funding, quaff, desis, leses, and everything else. So really until we get that, we're all working pretty much in the dark. GPC have said they do expect the COVID fund to continue. What we don't know is what that will cover. Now, this takes me on to the next bit, which is around um, PPE costs. Um, Nigel and I spoke about this last week. I think Nigel was quite appalled um, that you were being asked to order from your own suppliers. But I think it's because things have moved so quickly. Initially, um, the suppliers ran out massively quickly. They didn't put any any uh, caps on anything and it was first come, first served. And therefore, the Department of Health had to set up two portals. One was for if you're going to be out of stock in the next 48 hours, use this emergency portal. That is still in place, but there is a cap on it and that is free. The other one um, was for just normal supplies. And that's when they got the army involved to do the logistics. That has now gone. And what we understand is that you're ordering from your own suppliers. We expect that to be funded. So we expect anything that's over and above what you would normally um, order that you need on a day to day basis. Anything that's to do with COVID that is because of COVID, they, it was loud and clear right at the very beginning. Practices will not be out of pocket due to COVID. So the GPCs asked us to pass that message on. If you get any problems, if you get any refusals, do let us know and we'll take it up the line to the national team. So while we're still on funding, I get all the best jobs here, don't I? Uh, Public Health England. I'm really disappointed at the stance they have taken. We were promised by a number of public health um, local authorities that they would be paying you based on activity from last year, on an average basis, a so quarter one, quarter two, etc. What then happened is their boards, the local authorities, and please remember, Department of Health has no jurisdiction over the local authority, um, and, and that has caused us major problems. I even checked right back in the day when that funding went across the local authority to see if it was ring-fenced. Unfortunately, it wasn't. Local authorities have had their budgets cut quite drastically and, you know, the mantra of don't make your problem my problem still comes to, to the fore. But they took legal advice 
And GP practices do not count as a supplier in the same way as a lot of their other suppliers do. What they were looking for is if a, if a supplier purely works the local authority and would have gone out of business if their, if their funding hadn't been maintained, they are the ones that the cabinet office um, notice related to. They say it didn't apply to general practice, A, because we get funding from other sources, but also B, because we do it almost on an activity-based basis rather than on a volume basis, and that is their argument. We have had apologies, I have to say, from some of our local um, public health departments. They are gutted, they're as gutted as we are because they felt that they were doing the right thing by practices. Their hands have been tied. GPC is fully aware of this. They, they are talking to the Treasury. They're talking to the local authority departments to see if anything can be overturned. But at the moment, um, we're not we're really not having any luck. We have written to most of the local authorities, well, we have written to all of them in our area, pointing out that particularly in terms of health checks, staff may have been employed purely to do that work. And the fact that that work is no longer available to them and may not be for some time, I think Dorset's quoting January, Hampshire, I think he's only quoting sort of August, September. We're not, I'm not sure about BSW yet. I think that's probably later in the year or sometime. Um, what are we supposed to do with those staff in the meantime? You know, we didn't have the luxury of furlough. So these are battles that we are continuing to have on your behalf. And I'm so sorry that, that we misled you because we were misled ourselves. I just need to be open with you about that. But we will continue to do what we can. More bad news. Occupational health for staff. As you know, Heals Medical was put in place back in 2016 for GPs. Um, although we have noticed through COVID that actually their service isn't as wide and as, as uh, luxury as we thought it was, but that's another matter. Um, so Heals Medical is still there for all your GPs. What NHS England wrote in their letter to CCGs was that they had to commission a service that or provide a service for practices to send their high-risk staff. So it, staff who have been shielding that might be due to come back on the 1st of August when shielding ends, um, just to check out, you know, if it is safe for them to do so, if there's any adjustments that need to be made. We're aware that some CCGs interpreted that as will provide a paid-for service. Other CCGs have said, no, we'll make sure there's a service available, but it's up to you to pay for it. So again, we are battling away on that one. Um, again, we've taken it to the GPC. Their understanding was that it was going to be commissioned and provided uh, cost-free to practices, but there seems to be a slightly different wording in the letter from NHS England to CCG. So again, we're trying to work that one through. If you're listening from Dorset, Please don't say anything to your CCG because they've already agreed to pay for it and they've commissioned it from your local community trust. Um, so let's let's not rock the boat. We'll just use them as an exemplar as usual and, and we'll try and get the others to follow suit. Uh, next one I wanted to talk about is um, I think a lot of you are getting requests um, from patients 
who are who are saying that the country that they want to uh, visit on holiday is insisting that they have a letter from their GP saying that they're fit to fly and that they're fit to go into that country. They're not showing any signs of COVID. This is clearly not uh, a GMS service. It's clearly not something you need to do with everything else you've got on your plates. Um, it's very unlikely that you'll either have the capacity or the time. If you do decide to do it, it's private. It's it's a private fee. Um, but of course, you know, patients might start to get a bit funny about that. Um, you know, I'm your patient. Why are you charging me type of thing? You can send them to a private travel clinic. We have got a letter available on our website. Dawn, do you want to explain what it says and where it is, please? Yeah, yes. it's on. I've put it on the hot topics on the home page for now uh, as a starter so it's right on the home page if you just just type in west6lmcs.com under hot topics it's it's there right there on the front page brilliant they are. Okay, that's lovely thank you one thing i also want to make some of you aware of it won't apply to all of you but i didn't know how else to get the message out apparently um where you have a pharmacy located on your premises um, for whatever reason, the PSNC have told pharmacists that they don't need to pay full rent uh, because of COVID. They only need to pay you 75%. Please be assured that is absolutely incorrect. Um, there is a code of conduct around this, which they would be breaking if they write to you and say, we can only afford 75% because we're not opening um, as much as we were and we've got our own expenses. Um, you're entitled to the rent you're charging make sure you get it. And if you have any problems, let us know. Um, but on the converse of that, the local pharmaceutical committee has asked me to remind those of you who haven't signed up for pharma outcomes so that any, I dare say it, flu jabs or anything that a pharmacy uh, does, a pharmacist does for your patients, if you're on farm outcomes, it will come straight down the line and pop into that patient's record and, and you won't have to start uploading extra information. So if you haven't signed up to that, then we would suggest that, that you do so, please. I think actually that's all the things I wanted to um, update you on. I, I know it's been a whistle-stop tour and I know it's not, not the most... Um, you know, happy of Wednesdays. Um, but the good thing is the practice manager conference is all set and it is looking fab. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't know, Louise, if you want to talk more about that, that'd be great. Yeah, happy to talk about that. So um, next Wednesday, we won't be running a lunchtime session like this is. We'll be starting at 9.30 and we'll be doing a whole morning and we'll be running our practice manager conference virtually. So 198 of you have booked up, which is fantastic, but we'd like more of you if you'd like to join us. Deputies too, it'd be great. So we will have uh, Nigel and Carol both doing their normal update as we do in this format because we feel it works well. You've got the ability to ask questions and we can be reactive and, and also just hear back from you as to what's really pertinent to you at the moment. So we'll do that. We'll do a section on finance, on information governance, on flu, and what the campaign might look like for this year, which will be interesting. We'll do a little bit about people, um, keeping your staff motivated, and just some interesting some top tips for you, because we know how important it is for you to keep going at this time and how hard it is. Um, we've sent our intrepid, roving reporter, Carol Cusack, <laughs> out into the depths of Dorset and she's just done some filming at a practice to learn a little bit about innovation so that might be again interesting and something new for you to think about and then finally we've got Phil Hammond the comedian um, coming to talk to us and he's from the NHS and that some of you might remember him from 2015 he was very funny 
slightly irreverent, slightly rude, really very funny. And we just thought with his brand of humour and actually what he knows about the NHS, he's kind of in a unique position to understand what you may have been going through in the last few months. So he hopefully will make us laugh and inspire us. And it'll just be, we want it to be quite a fun morning. So please um, do log in um, at 9.30 next Wednesday. And while I'm on a little promotional bit, I'll also just let you know, I sent out an email yesterday um, to all the practice nurses, copied it to you also to say, we've got a practice nurse webinar hosted by Helena Irvin, our fantastic practice nurse advisor. Um, and that's on Thursday the 16th, and that is at lunchtime. Again, we've got lots of nurses already booked into that. So I would encourage your nurses to join in. Again, we'll be talking about flu, and it'll be lovely for the nurses of Wessex LMCs to sort of be able to engage together and find out a little bit more about what's going on that's relevant for them at the moment. This format, so Q&As, and we'll have a panel again so they can ask um, pertinent things to them. So hopefully that'll be great. So should we do a few questions then, Carol? Mm -hmm. Okay, so occupational health, back to what well, you mentioned it before. Um, does it get covered by COVID as we wouldn't really be getting this one done if it wasn't for the virus and for the nurse who's shielding? So can we put that as a COVID expense, please? I mean, we think absolutely. It, it's such a shame that we haven't had the, the NHS England letter that's been signed off by the Treasury because I think we'll have a lot clearer detail. Um, spoken to the GPC, they absolutely think anything to do with COVID that is that is a requirement for occupational health. So it's, like I've said, a shielding member of staff who wants to come back and you need to risk assess and be clear. Yeah, absolutely. It needs to be under a COVID claim. OK, we'll carry on with these um, occupational health ones at the moment. So also, um, are we able to do our own risk assessments or do we have to send to occupational health? You can do your own risk assessments, um, probably for the BAME um, people or anybody that hasn't been shielding. Um, there are risk assessments. Have we got, have we put those on the website, Dawn, or have we just put a link? We have. Oh they're on the website they're on the website so you can have a look at those so you can do your own absolutely but if there's likely to be any sort of occupational health issue we would suggest you go for the professional you you as an employer have a real duty you have a duty of care both under the health and safety executive under cqc under everything you're under such coshes aren't you so if, if you and, and let's say nurse agree that they come back, but they don't do face to face and they sit in that room and they do audits and stuff, if you both agree and it looks reasonable and it's all risk assessed and written down, you should be fine. Um, you can always run anything like that by Helene, our, our nurse advisor, she'll let you know. But if it's somebody that might be reluctant to come back or somebody that's saying, I can't do this and I can't do that, and you think they probably can, I would go for a professional view on it. So that probably answers the next one, actually. So um, risk assessments continue to be challenging. If patients are triaged, face mask worn by the patient and clinicians in full PPE, is it a realistic expectation that an at-risk clinical member of staff can see patients face-to-face -face as the risk is mitigated through the PPE and the face masks? But if we're still refusing, where, where do we stand? I mean, I think if you're on shaky ground, it sounds like you ought to get professional advice on that. Yeah, and I mean, I think, you, I think like the, whoever's asked the question has said, you know, if you are if you've got full PPE and you're confident about it, bearing in mind the cardinal masks. By the way, just just on that one, these are the ones that had been found somewhere in a warehouse. They'd been there for the uh, swine flu or whatever it was, and there was a date on of about 2015. 
um, and they were apparently checked out and a new date put over that sticker to say they'd been uh, you know re-looked at and reviewed and they're fine so so you probably notice them fairly easily but like I say they have got a, a batch number on um, yeah so if you've done the full risk assessment if everybody's happy with it full PPE is in place you're taking all of the precautions that you can that should be fair enough if your employee is not happy or even somebody else in the practice is not happy because they might have to share a room or something then yeah go go for an occupational health assessment and yeah let's put it through the covid claim okay carol um, is heels um applicable to all all our patch we've got a um a wiltshire practice saying who do we use for occupational health heels is heels is national it's a nationally procured service um, and the details again are on our website of how to contact Neils, Heels, sorry. So they, they cover all GPs nationally, so they've got pockets all around the country. They also cover needle stick injuries and that's for any staff. So if you have a needle stick injury, you can phone Heels and they will give you the appropriate guidance, which unfortunately is often send the person to A&E, they'll have their first injection then, then they go back to their own practice. But that's another <laughs> story. But yes, Heels is national. Lovely, thank you. So a few finance questions now, please, Carol. Um, we will also be losing out on our LARC payments from our federation. Is that, oh, that's just disappeared. There we go. Is there any news on this being worked out on average? So losing out on our LARC payments from federation, any news on this worked out on an average? Um, certainly what the local authorities are saying to us, apart from health checks, is that they are looking for a sort of catch-up type programme. Um, now, you know, it's, it's an activity based and, 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 and who knows where these people have gone. Um, the one good thing is we have managed to um, negotiate a 10% uplift on LARCs from one of our public health departments. So we're using that as a precedent and going to the others. But it, it, again, it's a local authority. It's so difficult to say that their, their hands are being tied by their legal advice. So, okay. Um, another local authority is going to pay for quarter one or quarter two. Uh, we're not sure they're going to pay anything now. That's the problem um, okay. because they're saying it's it's a it's, it's either an AQP, uh, an activity based uh, uh, program, and therefore they're not going to pay anything unless we've actually done the work. Okay. Um, any update, please, on practice receiving des payments from April? and also about PPA income being protected? So uh, DES payments will be paid, um, certainly quarter one. Um, and in fact, the global sums quarter one um, for anything that, that is NHS, um, it will be paid. Um, they, the PPA stuff we're still working on, we're not really 100% sure about that. The only thing we got absolute clarity on was the DSQS um, dispensing payments for dispensaries and that that's guaranteed quarter two again we are expecting that but again it's going to be in this blooming letter that <laughs> never is, is this is getting worse than the premises cost direction <laughs> it can't worse. be worse than that <laughs> no it can't so again our expectation is quarter one and quarter two we're not 100% sure yet but that's our expectation we'll just have to keep you up to date as, as we hear more Okay, um, this is quite serious. Funding issues becoming a serious risk to practice income. Please help us, LMC. What can we do, Carol? Okay, so the first thing you do is approach your CCG and you tell them. You tell them that you are becoming financially unviable. 
CCGs have something that's called a section 96. Most people don't know about section 96. It's a tiny, tiny little paragraph in the regulations, which basically allows CCGs to give practices money um, almost for anything, really. Um, but it's usually used where there's an issue either around resilience or sustainability. Some of you will have had resilience funding either to pay for GP supporters or do something. That comes out of section 96. Go to your CCG, tell them you're struggling. You will be expected to fill in a template which will explain to them how this has come about. So comparisons, they might even want their finance people to see your accounts. You've got to be prepared to be really transparent, but they can help. If you do that and you don't get the help you need, come back to us and we will. We will. Okay. Um, so one comment, my CCG is refusing to pay minor surgery in quarter four. Again, minor surgery, they talked about as being an activity base because you were never sure that you were going to actually do any minor surgery. It depended on what list you had. However, it is part of GMS. It's an additional service in the GMS contract. So send us an email and um, we'll get hold of your CCG and see what we can do for you. Brilliant. Um, and just to, just to clarify, which regulations, please? I need to email the CCG with Section 96. You mentioned regulations. Which regulations are Section 96? The contract, I think I've taken it home and I've come into the office today. It's the General Medical, it's National Health Service, General Medical Services, Regulations 2015, something like that. You can Google it. And it's in there. And if you look um, for Section 96, you should find it. Dawn, we'll put a link on the FAQs. Okay, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that'd be helpful. Um, just going back to your comment, um, Carol, about um, heels being nationally procured for occupational health, that all sounded marvellous. Um, one of the practice managers rang heels today for a needle stick injury, and they said they no longer cover veins. Oh, rubbish. Oh, <laughs> sorry, that is absolute rubbish. Um, oh, gosh. Send me an email, and I'll uh, I'll look into that. I mean, I know, I know Wiltshire were looking at, at uh, the whole of BSW was looking at putting in their own service because they felt they weren't getting a great service from Heels. And I have to be honest, from what I'm hearing, nobody's getting a great service from Heels, whether somebody has procured something else. But pop me an email and we'll look into it and we'll get back to you. OK, and lovely. If, and if there is any fundamental change across Baines or BSW that I'm not aware of, we'll put it in the FAQs as well. Okay, and back to risk assessments on occupational health, just as sort of a, um, a warning, really, just to be very careful when mental health is involved and anxiety, I think you tread particularly careful, um, particularly carefully. So a little bit now about going back to normal, Carol. So um, there's a concern um, referring catch-up programmes from commissioners. We physically can't catch up with everything. And is there going to be any guidance on priorities? There absolutely is. If, if you remember in the preparedness letter right back at the beginning, there was a, the, it came in the NHS England letter saying this is what you can drop and this is what you've got, got to continue, which was things like childhood immunisations. So, yes, we are expecting guidance. If it doesn't come nationally um, from NHS England, then we will do it for you. Um, we absolutely accept there's no way you're going to catch up with everything we, and, and GPC is, is negotiating to make sure that you still get some funding. I mean, one of the things they're looking at at the moment is, as you know, PCNs were given the 27 pence per weighted patient um, from the IIF fund, which was supposed to be the innovation fund. And that was for the first six months. GPC is now saying 
they need it again for the second six months because we can't do innovation. We've already done a load um, mm. by default, but we can't concentrate on that bit of, of quaff and, and the QIs and various things. So there's a huge amount of work going on behind the scenes. But yeah, we will we will give you some guidance because we absolutely accept. The other thing I've been lobbying for is, as you know, we had hundreds of GPs that came back out of retirement um, you know, from the last five years, willing to help, willing to to do some work, half of them, I don't know, I, I haven't got the figures, but on my list, at least half of them have never been used. Mm. And I would love to, for us to be able to use them, even if they do the flu clinics or something and everybody yeah. else does something else or remote triage or just do all the back office tasks that come through. Um, I would love to be able to use them, but I'm at the moment it does feel like I'm batting my head against a brick wall. But mm. Just to say to you, if you've got funding and um, and you want people, we can put you in touch and then, you know, you can work it out between yourselves. But I do accept that, that that's going to eat into your profit. Um, just concerned about, again, going back into um, the new normal COVID phase two, maybe it's being called, um, a concern that the CCGs are still working in COVID response. So the support as business for business as usual for practice isn't there. Finance, property, um, staff are still working from home. They're not available. There's no response to email. Obviously, it's extra frustrating for the practices with that situation. Yeah, and, and, and I get that. I, I, I think things are coming around. You're right, most of them are still working at home. Um, but but they seem to have, as, as we have really, got a bit better with Teams and Zoom and everything. And they are starting to sort of come out of, of, of the darkness. However, if you've got something that's outstanding, if you're not getting responses, let us know and we, and we will get in touch with them. Um, it does seem to be working. I mean, even even dare I say, I'm going to touch wood. We've had some reasonable results now with PCSE over the last two three weeks. So there, I know, I know, don't, I'm falling out. it now. Um, but yeah, no. So again, uh, like I said last week, if you give us all the right information, we can escalate it. Things are moving. So let just let us know. Okay, I mean, there just seems to be a real concern that the CCGs and NHS can think practices can get back to normal when actually with the donning and doffing appointments taking longer, everything more to do with infection control, risk assessments, it's not, and actually practices can't manage. And, and actually, I think most of the CCGs are fully aware of that. Um, I had a conversation yesterday with the uh, public health people over in BSW, Bain, Swindon, Wiltshire, um, because I'm concerned about the flu clinics and the amount of time it's going to take and what are they going to do to support. It's all right saying, you know, go to your CCG, but actually Public Health England are responsible for the flu campaign, as they are for quite a few things. So um, they are aware um some of them are being particularly proactive what we are seeing is a creep a mission creep of bureaucracy coming back in and we we have batted back on that and said this is the last thing you need to be doing for goodness sake you know sort yourselves out so we are keeping doing that so all i can say to you is we are trying very hard to, to keep stuff away from you um there is a definite realization and recognition of, of the amount of work and the fact that you can't do triage all day. It's mm. shattering. It's absolutely shattering. And and I think Nigel made the point, I don't know if he said it on here last week, but it's it is harder. 
you know, you 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 what you know, doctors say they walk, watch somebody walk into into the consulting room and they learn a lot just by that. They're not seeing that. They're not seeing whole bodies. They're not seeing a holistic approach. So so it's harder, and we know that. And and there definitely is a recognition. But if your CCGs are being particularly difficult, just let us know. Um. As we go into business as usual, but trying to keep some of the good bits that we've been through the pandemic, um, it's helpful to have a laptop at home and work from home. But there's a comment that not it's not easy for everybody to get the um, the equipment to work from home. Um, how can they get that from the CCG? Whereas, is there a funding? Is there going to be more funding for IT and equipment? There absolutely is going to be more funding. And in fact, I was on a parliamentary webinar just uh, early last week, um, where the head of NHS um, X talked about this and um, digitalization is a major major priority for this year it's been recognized that people actually quite like this way of working patients actually quite like it um, we're gonna we are gonna have a mixture obviously um, so on the IT side the two things that they told us about um, particularly last week one is you'll be pleased to hear this that within the next well they're saying year um, I know what their years are like, so I'll say within the next two years, every patient record is going to be um, scanned in, digitalized. You will no longer have to be printing off records to send to PCSE. They've got to get their act together and get their IT sorted. But at least that's one thing. So records that, that you know go to PCSE will go electronically. That's, that's a great step forward. The other thing is, as you know, Matt Hancock, being Secretary of State, is a massive, massive advocate of IT and they are pulling forward the 5G program. Um, the difficulty with it, of course, is the contract was about to be signed with China just before Wuhan happened um, with Hawaii. Um, now it's been decided that they're going to look much more widely and I think they've already started to do that. Um, so 5G will be rolled out and IT equipment will be um, coming as a matter of course to practices based on need rather than want, but they are doing it and they, they're, they're well aware of it. It's a big priority. Okay, um, and we'll comment a few, um, one of the practice managers used by investment and impact fund by CSU laptops for admin staff to work from home. Is that a COVID related expense? Could you use that as a COVID related expense for laptops at home? If you've, if you've designated against your IIS, then you wouldn't be able to get paid twice. No, 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 sorry. So, so, and also, if you if you bought them, if you had them configured by the CSU to make sure that they are compliant with NHS regulations and standards, I would try it as a COVID expense, definitely, because you've done the right process. If you've just bought them and handed them out, I doubt you'll get them because they have to be configured properly. They have to have the right sign-off by the CSU or by your CCG. Okay, thanks, Karen. A couple of flu queries. Um, do we know when the e-learning for health flu training for 2021 will be released? Um, it's usually released at the end of August. Um, yeah, middle of middle to the end of August. I haven't known it released before that time. As soon as we're aware it's, it has been released, we will let everybody know. And um, will PHE be doing any national flu comms? I don't know, Carol, if we're aware of that. Yes, there is going to be a full flu campaign. Um, NHS England spoke about this on the Nikki and Ed show last week. Um, we don't know what it's going to consist of. We don't know what it looks like. Um, we, you know, 
what we do know is the pharmacists are also applying to do drive-through flu clinics and things like that. So, um, you know, we, we're getting our flu information out quite quickly with all the different scenarios and all the different things that can be done. Um, but the pharmacists are onto it as well. So, uh, yeah, here we go. Same competition. Just back to face masks, um, if they were the ones with the sticker over the date, they came to practices, certainly not from the two suppliers you mentioned, but this practice manager believes they were told they were safe. If they're not sure, who do they go back to and who do they check that with, Carol? So they go on, they go on the Cardinal website or, or back onto their supplier's website and check it. There is, there is, an, there is a definite uh, number. Yes, everybody was told they were safe. We were all told they were safe. You know, there was a big, look what we found and woohoo. Um, so there, there is a batch number um, that, that they can check. But yeah, either go back to your supplier or go on, on the Cardinal. We, we have, have we put a link on to that, Dawn? I can't remember. We could put, we could put a link on, on, on our front page just so anybody with, with just with Cardinal masks on or something. And then it's going to be quicker for, for everybody to look at. So all right. Thank you. That's, that's great. Um, pharma outcomes, pharma, it is actually pH for far rather than pharma okay. outcomes. Just, just yeah, putting it out there for people who are, aren't quite sure. There's a little bit of confusion over there. Are we able to put that in the FAQs, Dawn? So just to, to spell it out exactly what Carol was talking about and the, the related links. Yeah, because I think um, Michelle was talking to the LTC yesterday or the day before. And there's a, there's a specific link that you have to go through to sign up. Um, and that's how they know that certain practices haven't. So, yeah, we can pop the link on there and then anybody that hasn't can, can get it. That would be helpful because there's, there's a comment of no integration into S1, but I'm sorry, I don't actually understand too so much. Saying, so, well, we, mm, I'm not, I've got to be honest, I'm not 100% sure with System 1. one. I know with EMIS it absolutely goes directly in. System 1, I'm not as clear. We'll do some checking. That's a royal we done. <laughs> Again, poor Dawn. Um, uh, one comment, um, CCG have told us we cannot claim for laptops, even though there were no laptops for distribution to practices. Oh, so. I, I think that's unfortunate because they've got this real thing about, about IT, haven't they? And, and um, what's available, what can be connected and what can't and everything. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't say I'm overly surprised and I'm not sure it's one that, that we'd win a battle on. Mm, tricky. Um, AQRX, which I know people have used a lot, we could really do with our CCG agreeing to it. It seems an easy decision to make, but an ignorance on how important it is to practices. At present, we're using the free version, but there's so much more we could use it for. Yep, and we are taking that up all the time with all the CCGs. We are getting, we're getting good feedback. Um, we, you know, we're, we're getting good vibes from that. Everybody is quite clear that it probably is the best system and yes i think you know i think we will get a result there so we'll we'll just keep plugging away but you do it as well keep telling them how marvelous it is keep telling them how much you need it um and and hopefully we'll uh, we, we will win that one okay um carol i think that's it i think you can you can breathe now <laughs> Um, so I think that's all. That's all the questions. So thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, Carol. Thank you, Dawn. And we look forward to seeing you at nine thirty um, next Wednesday morning for the Practice Manager Conference. Thank you very much. Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice.